I think we're kind of like a radio station today. I always heard that radio stations like to follow like an upbeat song by kind of a slower song. And Ben mentioned this morning that he was going to end before I came up to speak on a really energetic song. And I'm not, I don't think of myself as a very energetic person. So I'll do my best to keep that, that going. Um, this morning, Rex asked me to speak about, about loving others. And we're kind of speaking towards a, a theme that Rex wanted to start about belonging here in the church, in our church. And, and the one topic that he gave me was loving others. And I think it's kind of appropriate this past week we celebrated Valentine's Day when here in America we, we like to show our love and affection to people that we love, whether it be our spouses or our boyfriends or girlfriends or children or whoever, people that are special. I also got to experience my anniversary this past week, so I got to show love in that regards too. It's a very special time. It's amazing. I was thinking about it today that before 1996, February 17th really didn't seem like any special day to me, but now... You know, since 1996, so you got married, it's, it carries a special place. And it, before that, it just seemed like such a typical day. Now it doesn't. Well, this morning, I'd like to start by talking about, in the English language, many of you have probably heard before that we only have one word for love. You know, uh, we saw the video that, that Ryan likes the cheeseburgers from, is it QP or QPI? Yep. Uh, we, we love our cars. Uh, we love our sports teams, we love our wives, we love our children, we love our husbands, our grandparents, parents. We love all sorts of things. And we have just one word to, to say that. But that one word has so many different applications, doesn't it? You, you don't love a, your car like you love God. You don't love your favorite sports team like you love your wife, at least I hope you don't. Hopefully you love your wife more. But we use the same word. We use the same word. But, it, but it's always applied in different ways. But in, in the Greek language, for example, they have three, maybe even four different words for, for different types of love. Uh, the first one is eros, which is a physical attraction, physical love that a husband and wife would have for one another. That's different from any other type of love. There's phileo love. If you think of the name of the city Philadelphia, brotherly, the city of brotherly love, that's, that's brotherly love. And then the third type is, is agape, agape love. The first time I ever heard of the word agape or, or heard about agape love was when I was a teenager, and I, I had the opportunity to attend a, a, Chris, a boy's chrysalis walk. I don't know if, you've, if any of you have ever heard of the, the Emmaus Walks for adults, but for, children, for teenagers, there's an event called a Chrysalis Walk. And it's a weekend-long retreat, and you, we met in a church, and it's organized to where you leave all your personal longings outside. You don't bring any of your personal, other than your clothes and the things you need to clean your body, brush your teeth. You don't bring in magazines, books, newspapers, radios, Nothing like that. You just come in with your, your clothes on your back, things you need to clean yourself, your Bible, and shoes and socks, and, and you spend a weekend in the church. But, but that weekend I learned about agape love. And agape love is the most perfect kind of love because it's, it's unconditional. 
I know I, I tell my kids, you know, I love you because you're so cute. I love you because, because you're mine. I love you because you're so good because when you do this or when you do that, I love you that you do your chores. Or I tell my wife, you know, I love you because you love me. There's always that because, and that, that's conditional. And, and agape love, there's no because. It just is. Now, when I think about it, I, I really do believe that for our time here on earth, that it would be impossible for any of us as, as human beings, as, as sinners, it would be impossible for us to show agape love. There will come a time when those of us who are washed in the blood and saved will have a time yet to come where we will know nothing but agape love. We will spend our days for eternity experiencing and sharing agape love, unconditional. But as sinners, we, we are bound by our thoughts and personalities and, and our daily lives and our imperfections. And no matter how hard we want to try to love people unconditionally, there's always that little pinprick that that person can do that makes you snap. And, and for that moment, you don't feel agape love. You don't feel love for that person. I would, only, I would be kidding myself if I told you that me and my wife never had any disagreements. I'm sure every husband and wife has disagreements at times. I don't stop loving, but at that moment, you know, we get very angry with each other, and it would be very difficult to share agape love. And like I say, as Christians, there will come a time where we will be able to experience and share agape love. But for now, we get to experience agape love from God through the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. And it says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person through a good person. Someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to start out talking about loving others by, by God's demonstration, what he demonstrates through agape love, because we're to be imitators of Christ, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll do our best while we're here on earth in our imperfect bodies, with our imperfect minds and our imperfect personalities. We'll, we'll do our best to imitate Christ. But like I was saying, that God gives us agape love, unconditional. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we are imperfect and unclean, 
and unrighteous and, and, and bad and maybe even awful, Christ still died for us. That's, that, that is unconditional love. I remember as a boy, and, and it's sad that it doesn't happen nowadays, but I remember back when we used to have three main television channels. You had 13, 24, and Channel 11. But, but I'm, I'm old enough to remember, and, and I don't mean to sound like an old person or something, but, 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 I, but I remember when uh, Billy Graham would be on TV. They would have Billy Graham crusades publicized, you know, on TV on one of the channels, 11, 13, or 24. One of them would often carry Billy Graham's crusades. And at the end of every program, I think, it, I can't remember, was it George Beverly Shea? Was it the singer's name? He always had a very deep, booming voice. But they would always close the program out with, with the song, Just As I Am. I don't think we, we, we hear that enough nowadays. And, and we don't hear, Billy Graham obviously is unable to preach to us. And, and, but I don't know that it would be acceptable and popular to put that on TV, but, but we don't hear that enough. We think that, that before we can come to God that we have to somehow fix ourselves and then go to God because he, he might not like what he sees. When I go to that altar to pray, or go wherever it may be to pray and speak with the Almighty. I feel like I need to fix myself before I come to Him because He may not accept me. He may not like what He sees. But the good news is, is it just like that song, God says, come just as you are. Come to me. I'll show you agape love, unconditional love. My first year of college, I was at Anderson University, and two times a week, we would have a chapel service. It would be typically an hour long at a set time, two days a week, and we, would all, we wouldn't have classes scheduled for that hour. We would meet in a big auditorium. We'd sing praise songs. It would be a really good time, and then they'd have a speaker. Uh, one of the first speakers, probably the one that I remember the most, that stuck out, made the greatest impression on me, was a man by Bre the name of Brennan Manning. And I, I'll be honest with you, he's criticized by a lot of evangelical ministers and theologians for, for his, his beliefs. But, but I really do believe that he has a good message to share. And, and one of the things he likes to say is that you know, like just as the song, just as I am. You know, God doesn't want you to fix yourself before you come to him. He, he is very adamant about sharing his story. He started out life as, as a Catholic priest. He became an alcoholic, and, and his life fell apart from there. Um, after a time... You would think that being a Catholic priest, you know, how could you become an alcoholic? You know, a man like that devotes his life to God and, and studying God's word. But, but he said that, you know, he, 
he was just trying to, to get through life, and, and he lost touch with God's Word. And then at one point in his life, God reached him through the Holy Spirit and convinced his heart that, that even though he knew the Word, was preaching the Word, he, he had devoted his whole life to it, that he didn't really know Christ. And he said it was at that moment that he became saved. And he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. He went on, he left the priesthood, but he began a life of preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel. But I, but I really liked his message that he had to share that day. That just as that song, you know, you don't have to fix yourself. It's unconditional love. God loves you, not as you should be. He loves you as you are. He loves you enough that, yes, He will help you. He will help you to see the ways that you can repair yourself through Him, through the help of the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to start a talk about agape love just because, like I say, we need to be imitators of Christ. We need to imitate agape love to the best of our ability. Sadly, for the time being here in our imperfect bodies, we have to share phileo love, brotherly love. And we'll do our best to be unconditional with each other. Sometimes it's hard to love people that are in our lives, people that are in our church, people that we work with, people in our own families. People can be very, very hard to love. But we're commanded by God through His Word to love. If you could turn with me, if, if you'd like, to Matthew 22. We'll see what God's Word has to say about this part. And we'll start at verse 37 and go to verse 40. And it talks about, teacher, you know, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, if you had a moment where you could have a minute with Jesus and ask him one question, you know, I suppose a lot of people would say, well, what's the one thing that I need to do, Christ, to, to make sure that I'm saved or that I can spend eternity with you in heaven? You know, what, what's the one thing I can do? And that's kind of what the disciples were doing. They were saying, you know, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Because this was before Christ had had died and made atonement on the cross. You see, before Christ, and I'll, I'll throw this in because I feel it needs to be said, that before Christ, the only way that humans could have commune, could, could share the glory of God, is by being clean. They were unclean. They were full of sin. But I'm sure many of you know that, that in order to, to, to fix that so that they could be in communion with God, they, they'd take a, 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 a lamb, a sacrificial lamb or, or another animal, and they'd place their sin, so to say, on that animal. And they would sacrifice that animal. They would kill that animal. And that, that would repair that would repair things 
between them and God so that they could commune with God. But Christ dying on the cross, he was the final atonement. He was the final repair. Okay? So Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the, the, the disciples just asked you, which is the greatest law, the commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I'm studying for this message, this, this verse, where at the very end where it says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's basically saying that the entire gospel is, in, is hanging in the balance of these two commandments about loving God and loving others. That makes things pretty simple to, in my mind. You know, I like to see things, let's get down to the basic message, you know. I want to simplify things for myself to, so I can understand it and really grasp hold of it. But, but I really believe that the gospel comes down to loving God and loving others as yourself. Now, that's not so easily done. Because, you see, I believe as a Christian... I believe in the Bible and, and God's Word, and I believe it to be the ultimate truth. There are those in the world that believe that the, the Quran and, and the Word of Muhammad is, is, is truth in the Word, but I'm a Christian, I have faith, and I have had experiences, and I continue to live in faith that, that the Bible is God's only true Word and that, that it is truth, the only truth, the absolute truth. And I believe because of that, that people that, that are not washed in the blood, that have not been saved, that do not know Christ as their personal Savior, that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, those that are not right with God can truly not love. Kind of like us with agape love right now. We can imitate it, but, but those that aren't saved, that don't know Christ as their personal Savior, they really can't truly love. They can imitate it. They could be really good at imitating it, but when it comes down to it, they're just imitating. If you'd like to turn with me, we'll talk more about phileo love and brotherly love. If you'd like to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. I apologize if it seems like I'm reading Scripture to you a lot today, but, but I feel it has a lot of importance, and I thought about, you know, what could I leave out, and, and if I cut it down to just a few verses and I thought you know it just wouldn't it just wouldn't tell the whole the whole story so if you'd like to join me in, in Romans chapter 12 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, like I say, that non-Christians truly can't love. They can imitate it, but they can't truly love it because it's, it's through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that, that we're transformed. Our bodies, are, our mind is renewed. We're, we're reborn. Verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If, is it, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I like, I like this part of the, the chapter because it kind of gives some little pinpoints of, as, as a church body, a body of believers, what are some things that, that, that we can do together to, to, to show each other within our church body? Phileo love, brotherly love. And I, and I think it's really hard because in today's world, you know, we always like to think of ourselves that what I have going on right now is the most important thing. I, kind of, I think I talked about this a little bit when I spoke about abortion many months ago. But, but being humble and, and seeing yourself as less than your brother or your sister is very, very difficult to do. And, and to go back again, that a non-Christian can imitate this, but they can only do it for so long. It's only through knowing Christ, through knowing the mind of Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that you truly would be able to humble yourselves with each other. I always I like to talk talk to the guys at my work when we drive when I drive a little my wife's smart car. Uh, no matter what speed limit, no matter what speed we drive in that car, I could drive exactly 55. I could drive 60 in a 55. I could probably even drive 65 in a 55. And no matter I don't know why. Sometimes I think there's a sign that comes on the back of the car that says "Please pass me," because it's it's like. This big truck, and I apologize to anyone that has a big truck, but it just seems like it's these big trucks. Likes to barrel up, and like I say, we could be going any speed over the speed limit, and they love to get right up on the bumper of that car. And then it's like they wait till that perfect opportunity. They can't wait to pass. You know, it's like, it's like, did you really need to pass? You know, it's like, 
I don't know. To, to me, it's, it's one of those times where the person was lacking humility. And then we end up sitting side by side at the same stoplight. I don't know why that happens, but God works in mysterious ways. But I don't know why. I always get a kick out of that. I think it's funny, but I think it's, but it's very difficult for us to be humble. And our, and our world does not support being humble. But, but as Christians, we know that we live in an imperfect world, a world that, where sin reigns. There will come a day when we'll all be together in heaven as believers, and, and we'll all know humility. We'll all experience humility with each other. Until then, we're going to have disagreements, and it's going to be hard to show brotherly love to one another. We're going to have disagreements, but when those instances happen, we need to sit down and, and remind ourselves that, that as believers, we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, and that we're to imitate Christ and show one another agape love to the best of our ability. And to continue on in, in, verse, in verse 12, or chapter 12, we'll start verse 9. And it talks about, about how love looks, I guess. What does love look like, kind of? And it says that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I think, you know, just in simple terms about the spaghetti dinner that we had for Fogarty's here a few weeks ago, I wasn't able to attend, but but that's something where you come together as a body and you, and you share an affliction. You know, we, we don't want to let one person try to bear that burden all by themselves. We need to come together as a body like, like we did for the spaghetti dinner, for example, that, to share in each other's burdens. I, I remember a long time ago, I was just a boy, but my grandfather suffered a, a massive stroke on the account of an aneurysm. He was in the hospital for... A number of weeks and then he was at a place called Green Springs a rehabilitation center for for months and 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 he was farming at the time he was very young he was like 47 years old I'm, I'll be 43 this year and and he was only four years older than I am now he was the prime of his life he was a farmer and and it came to be springtime and he was still at Green Springs and the rehabilitation and and he wasn't able to, to, to work yet. He wasn't able to, to get around. He was, he was just trying to walk, trying to learn how to feed himself again and things like that. But he got to come home a few times. And I remember one of the times I was, I was riding in the front. Back in the days, we had big cars, and you always had a big bench seat. And I remember my grandma was driving, and I was sitting in the middle. I'm certainly not seat-belted, but I always sat in the middle between them, and my grandpa was in the passenger seat. And as we came down the road... There's like a hill where you can't see their property, but then as you get up the top of the hill, you can see their property off to the right. And we got up there, and it was in the springtime. 
back when you do a lot of tillage work in the farm fields and things, a lot of work had to be done. And we came up over the hill, and I don't even remember how many tractors and plows there were sitting in the driveway in front of his barn that day. But, but there could have been four, there could have been ten. I don't remember, but there were several. And I just remember after my grandpa had his stroke, he became very emotional. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't hold back. You know, he didn't have that shield that, that we men like to have, you know, to, that we're strong, you know, but inside, you know, I'm feeling it, but I'm going to be strong and show, show strength. But he, he lost that ability. But he became very emotional. And tears started rolling down his face. Th those farmers that were his neighbors and friends were showing him phileo love, brotherly love. They were sharing in his affliction. Even though he wasn't able to do all this work himself, himself and my dad and my brother, Uncle Joe were, were busy trying to take care of their dad, they didn't have time to work in the fields, but, but these friends and neighbors, they wanted to show him love and share his burden. And in doing so, it lightened his burden. As a church body, we can do that for each other, just like we did for Fogarty's for for a recent example. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I'd like to talk about my family, but... I apologize because it's hard because you people a lot of times don't know who these people are. But, but I remember at my Grandpa Schaffner's funeral that, that there were a lot of people that showed up. People that a lot of people wouldn't associate with. I don't know why, but he had a knack of, of uh, friending people that looked different or acted different or, or that, that a lot of people wouldn't have associated with. It's hard to love people that, that look different than us, that, that talk different than us. It's, it's hard to love people. I remember, I remember one time in college, we took a, a, a trip overnight to, to downtown Chicago to, to visit a, a homeless shelter. I remember one time going to uh, Cherry Street Mission with a, with a church I grew up in as a child, and, and we saw these people that were homeless. They smell bad. They, they aren't clean. They don't have the means to care for themselves like, like society finds acceptable. But we're commanded to love those people. If I remember right, the time, one of the times we went to Cherry Street Mission, there was a man there. He, it had made the, the Toledo news that, that he was found wandering around the cities and it might have even been in the wintertime, but he, he had like he had found a, a single-sized mattress. It was like wrapped in himself around himself like a diaper or something. But he was found wandering around the cities like that, wearing no other clothes. But, but he needed to be shown love. And fortunately for him, he made his way into the Cherry Street Mission, and they showed him brotherly love. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to show love. When we have disagreements, 
I can only imagine, you know, I hate to say it, but at some point God is going to bless us with a building. And, and there's probably going to be disagreements about things as simple as what color the carpet should be in the sanctuary, what type of chairs should we have, what kind of tables should be in the Sunday school rooms, what kind of curriculum should we have, well, what kind of window coverings should we have? I don't like those window coverings, but somebody else does, but I don't know why we have to have those window coverings. We're going to have disagreements. And we need to remember phileo, brotherly love, and imitate Christ and be humble with one another. Verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those are some hard things to do, to basically love your enemy. In a world where it seems like the enemies are all over the place, they're in our workplace, they're in our schools, they're, they're in other foreign countries, and they want, to, they want to hurt us. They're in our communities. It seems impossible. But like I say, as Christians, we have the example of Christ. And by having the mind of Christ and being saved, it's possible for us to do these things. When my family first came to, the, to, the, to America many, many, many years ago, they settled in, a, in, in West Jersey before New Jersey was a state. And, and before they came, they, they had to set up a, a, a group of laws. They had to have some laws for their community. So before they even arrived on the shores of America, they, while in England, they, they came up with a set of laws. It was called the Concessions and Agreements of the West Jersey Colony. And I've looked at this document. It's an interesting document, and I love history, so I really dig into this. But there was a bit of Christ in that document. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that. One of, the, one of the lines in that document spoke about trials and court and legal proceedings. There was a, a, a phrase written in there, a line, that if someone had wronged you, no matter what the offense had been, it, it could be all the way up to a capital offense, something very, very serious, where a life was taken, something could have been stolen from you. The person that had been offended, the victim of the crime, was given the right to forgive the person even though a verdict of guilty would be handed down by the court. The offended 
could still override that verdict and say to that person, I forgive you and I wish you to not experience the punishment that is due you. To me, that, that speaks to burning heaping coals on someone's head. I think that I don't know how often that happened where people were actually forgiven for the, the crime that they committed. I don't know. But just that it's there, that, that was pretty neat. That was pretty neat to me. Now, we don't have time today to, to go through the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure many of you are very familiar with that. And, and, and I would suggest that in your time this week, and, and you contemplate and, and think about what was said here today and think about love and, and how we can show love to one another, whether it be in our own church body or, or in our community or your workplace or wherever you may go. But I would, I would suggest take time and part of your devotion and read that this week. There's some very special words in there that can, can help you to be able to understand how we better can love one another. But, but to wrap things up, if you'd like to turn with me to, to Romans chapter 8, verse 22. I love hearing the, the pages turn. I know when, the, when I hear the pages stop turning that everyone, most everyone's made it there. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We won't turn to the verse, but remember the verse where it says in the Bible that, you know, the greatest of the, the faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The reason love is the greatest is because there, there will come a day when we are together in, in glory in heaven and we're in the presence of Christ for eternity. We won't need faith. There'll no longer be a need for hope because every moment we will be experiencing love. But, but I, the one reason I wanted to share this, this, this verse with you here in, in Romans is just another example that we're, we're to follow that was set forth by, by, by God as far as loving. And I remember when I was, I think I was at Taylor University in, in one of our uh, theology classes that we had that everyone had to take. And it might have been historic Christian thought or something. But our, but our teacher in the class asked us if, if we had ever heard of the fact that the Holy Spirit groans for you. When you go to prayer, when you're in despair, sometimes there, there's no words that, that can speak to what you're feeling or what you're going through. Sometimes you don't even know what you're going through. 
but you're going through something. And it's at those times that the Holy Spirit intercedes. And, and he, he groans to God with, with the pain that you're feeling. And, he and the Holy Spirit understands what it is that you're facing, even though you don't. He goes to bat for you, to put it in simple terms. Can you imagine if, if, if as brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we shared each other's afflictions and burdens to the point that, no, I'm not able to read your mind and, and like the Holy Spirit, but I know what you're going through. And I am, I am wrestling with God on your behalf because I love you as my Christian brotherly sister or brother that, 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 is, that is close brotherly love friendship that is a really good example for us to follow as we love each other and I'd just like to close today that and, and thoughts about love and, and how it's so different from what the world thinks about love and and what Christians think about love or what it means to us. And, you know, you read the, the, the headlines every day about so, the paper the stories or you hear things about husbands and wives that were divorced and that uh, they, they just fell out of love. And, and like I say, non-Christians, they don't understand agape love. We can't live it yet but we understand it and we experience agape love from God now. But, but another thought along those lines is that, that, that when we think about love, and, and if you were to ask people what, stop them on the street and, and question them some thoughts on love, and if, if you would ask them just the simple question, uh, sir or madam, you know, what would you say is the opposite of love? And, and most, most commonly, I imagine that the response would be, well, well, hate. Hate would be the opposite of love. But actually, a lot of scholars agree that the opposite of love is indifference. It's indifference. Indifference is if you see someone hurting and, and your thought is, is that, why would I offer any help to them? I don't care about that person. That is a brutal, brutal way to live and to treat others. I know I've been in situations, and I'm sure you've been in situations throughout life where you've seen someone that was in need, whether they had a, a flat tire or, or an elderly woman that fell or, or whatever, and, and you feel that sense of urgency that you, that you need to help. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit working in your life and, and laying that on your conscience, that feeling of needing to show that person love. But to conclude today, I, just, I hope that we've all 
understood a little bit more about God's love for us and how, different ways that we can show love to one another and, and how we're to imitate God's love and Christ's love to each other and be patient and that there will come a day that when we can show each other agape love, not just receive it from God, there will be a day. And, and my prayer for you today is that if, if there's any of you today here that, that you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then do so today if Christ is laying that burden on your heart. Don't wait. Billy Graham used to say at the end of us, you know, that the hour is closing in fast, that, that pretty soon everyone's going to leave the building or the stadium, and your opportunity to, will pass. Unfortunately for us, we don't know the hour, we don't know the time that our life will come, this earth will come to an end. You don't want to wait too long. If you haven't accepted Christ and, and walked, entered into a relationship with Him and allowed yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the time is near. None of us know when the end of our life will come. You don't want to come to the end of your life and realize that you missed your opportunity. I can think of nothing greater from, from reading God's Word about what heaven will be like. And, and when we come together in church, we're kind of imitating a little bit of what heaven will be like, kind of like we can imitate agape love. When I was on my chrysalis walk, I got to an experience there where I got to experience a little bit of what I think heaven will be like. And I, from what I've read in the, the Word of God and, and from experiences that I've had, that heaven's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. And I, I would hate to think that anyone on the face of this earth now, even our greatest enemies, that they would pass out of this life into a life of eternal torment and separation from God. So I, my, my prayer for you today is that if, if, if you feel that God is, is laying a burden on your heart to make a decision, to make a change in your life, don't wait. Learn how you can show brotherly love and imitate Christ to, to your Christian brothers and sisters and live in the promise of eternal life. Will you join me in prayer as we, we close? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time that we have to come together as a, a body of believers to to sing worship to you, to study your word, to, to share with our brothers and sisters and show them love. Lord, we thank you for your unconditional love that you showed us by, by sending your son to die on the cross. While we were still sinners, you made a way that we could be made right with you. Lord, we, we, we ask that you'll help us in our lives each day to overcome the sins and things that, that work in our lives to separate us from you. Lord, we just ask that if there is someone here today that, that, that you're, you're trying to reach to, to convince that, that they can join into relationship with you, that, that you would touch that person's heart today.
and give them the encouragement to make that step. Lord, we just ask that you'll teach us to be better witnesses, better imitators of your Son, Jesus Christ, and showing love not only to our Christian brothers and sisters, but, but everyone that we come into contact with in our life. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your unconditional love, and we thank you for watching over us, and we ask that you'll keep us safe this week and t- until we come back here again next week. We ask this in your name. Amen.